The following is a CA original. The mighty sound of the South, tailgating on Tiger Lane. Each one a Memphis football tradition. This is the Tiger Football Podcast. What's happening, Tiger football fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Football Podcast. I'm Mark Giannato, sports columnist for the Commercial Appeal. I'm joined, as always, by Evan Barnes, our Tiger football beat writer. Memphis football sitting at 4-1, and one, like most people hoped slash expected uh, through five games, heading into a huge Friday night game at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium against Houston, perhaps the final uh, game conference game against Houston, certainly the the, the final in the American Athletic Conference. Um, Houston comes in at two and three. Tigers on a four game winning streak. Um, so lots and lots to get to. Tigers are coming off a win over Temple. They they backdoor cover the Owls, a 21-3 win in which the defense was dominant. The offense, by and large, sputtered uh, for the second straight week. Um, we've also got an update on the Memphis-Missouri scheduling situation to discuss. And, uh, you know, some attendance talk as well because uh, the Memphis-Temple game uh, was another uh, under 24,000 uh, crowd. Uh, so lots and lots to discuss. Evan, let's start here. On a level of 1 to 10, um, how concerned should Memphis fans be about the offense, given the fact that here we are, this team has the exact record you hoped for and expected. They're 4-1. and one. I think if you had said before the season, would you take 4-1? and one? Every single Memphis Tiger fan would. How do you reconcile what you've seen with the fact of the matter is they're four and one? I think what you would say is you're happy to be four and one. You're pleased that they have, you know, their three games over 500, which is what they were at their best last year. But you would say this offense right now makes you worried. I mean, you don't know what this offense is right now. Do you know if this offense is explosive? Are they the last two games where they struggled to get big plays, a concerning trend? The first half struggles, is that something to, to keep an eye on? You know, Are they a great second-half team that you can be proud of? I, I think for the first time, really, in a minute, there are a lot of questions about just kind of what this offense is. And if it's going to be these games where, yeah, Memphis may score 25, 30 points. I mean, they scored, you know, over 40, you know, against Arkansas State and uh, Temple, uh, North Texas. But is it going to be a pretty – exciting game where you like wow big plays or big things here i don't know so i would say if you see if you, you ask me one to ten and ten being great i'd say maybe five to six and again you know you're looking at this offense like maybe the best thing you have going for you right now is your tight end caden prescorn and seth hennigan um not making mistakes as far as interceptions but there are a lot that makes you have questions so i'd say about a five or a six leaning more towards a five yeah, it's interesting. So I'm looking at it here. They're 72nd in the country in total offense entering this week. That would be as low as a Memphis team has finished since, I believe, 2013 um, in the total offense categories. Now, that's coming off two disappointing games. I fully expect 
I hope at least that number is going to improve. At least, I don't know. It certainly doesn't appear it's going to be an offense like some of those high-flying ones Memphis has had, but I would hope it's going to be get better than what it's been the past two weeks. Um, I mean, here's the reality. They have injury issues on the offensive line, and they really have not looked the same since Austin Myers and J- Jonah Gamble went out with injuries in the B- in the first half of that North Texas game. So they're having troubles up front. It's clearly affecting Seth Hennigan. I think that's a prime reason why he ended up, uh, you know, in part, I guess not prime reason. It's one of the reasons he ended up with 19 rushing attempts against Temple. Um, and let's just be honest, the receivers, especially against Temple, really struggled to create separation and make plays. Um, and it really affected the offense, it felt like. Um, whether it's, um, you know, Javon Ivory, Ivory or Gabe Rogers or Joe Skates, whatever. They, they, they did not, it felt like, get separation much. And it felt like um, they didn't win a lot of, they didn't win very many 50-50 battles for the ball in the air. Um, and it just, it feels, they have not, Playmakers have not really shown up the last two games, uh, and it makes you worry um, and wonder whether they have a true playmaker on this offense. That that you know they certainly have not shown yet a consistent playmaker, and so it makes you it does worry you about the offense. Now that being said, you know maybe they can you know they're 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 taking care of the ball and they're creating turnovers. They're second in the country in turnover margin right now. Um, And the defense has played, you know, basically in three of the five games they played this year, the defense has been great against Navy, against North Texas, and then against Temple. And against Arkansas State, they were solid. They were fine. There were some moments, you know, that's a good offense Arkansas State has. Um, But they made plays when they needed to. And then they played poorly in the Mississippi State game. But... Um, perhaps this is a formula that can work, um, to a certain extent in a weak AAC. Um, that, that's sort of, how, you know, there's, there's another side to this. Uh, you know, the punt game has been really good. We've been seeing Joe Doyle too much, but when he's been out there, he's booming the ball. I think he's second in the country in punting. You're, you're second, like leading, a, you're second leading punter in the country, Mark. Yeah. Hey, you know what? If you're going to punt, you might as well be good at it. You know, um, if you're going to have to punt a lot, um, but you know, it, and it's just, it's a different formula than what they've won with in the past. And that's why I think some people look at it and go, I don't know if this is sustainable because they just haven't won this way in the past, but I'm open to the idea that, you know, particularly again, in a, with a weak schedule and a weak league this year, a down league, um, you know, it might, I, I'm not. I'm not closing the door on this just being the way this Memphis team wins. No, and, and you know what? It's worked so far, right? It's it's worked so far. Let's see if these next few games, how that works, because the schedule gets tougher. Houston's going to present some challenges, I think, just with their physicality and with their um, potent quarterback-receiver duo. I think if you look ahead, ECU and Tulane, we have said before the year, those two games on the road would be clear tests for how this Memphis team would look, you know, considering that ECU is going to be a tough out and Tulane looks like maybe the second best team in the conference. So we will see if this is sustainable because um, they're going to face three quarterbacks who are experienced um, these next three games. 
let's see if this works. Because right now, the identity is takeaways and few mistakes as far as turnovers go, which is good. But let's see how far that can sustain you if you need to, like, find ways to get points. Well, and as you survey this, I mean, the first five games of this season, Memphis did what it needed to do, and it set the table for what I think if you look at the schedule – you know, in my column at commercialfield.com, I I deed these next three games ahead of the open week as critical. But really, it's the next five games are going to tell the tale of this story, like of this season, excuse me, um, in terms of what it becomes. You've got Houston at home Friday night, a Houston team that's two and three, struggling, but was the preseason AAC uh, favorite. Then you've got Tough road trip to ECU, tough place to play and win at, especially when um, the fan base is into the program, which it appears they are. Um, a tough game at Tulane, who just beat this Houston team, at, you know, and a place where you've struggled at recently, winning at Tulane. Then you got an open week, home game against UCF, mm-hmm. who, you know, again, another team picked among the favorites in the league and a big home game. And then on five days rest, you play Tulsa at home, um, a Tulsa team that, you know, I, I it looks one looks decent. I watched them play Cincinnati and like they gave Cincinnati trouble, even though Cincinnati won the game. And, uh, you know, it's again, it's going to be five days rest. It's going to be prime for a letdown spot there. And, and you know, Mark I, should, Mark, I should also add, Mark, they gave Ole Miss a tough game, too. Yeah. And so. Um, five games right there, you know, you go, you go three and two in those five games, you're seven and that, you know, you're seven and two heading into North Alabama and SMU to close the year. That's a really good season in my mind. If you, if you go three and two, you go two and three, you've set the stage for an eight and four season, which, um, you know, was we said before the year that'd be a good season in our mind. That'd be a two-game improvement over last year. It's not the greatest season ever, but it's the baseline for having a good season. You know, anything worse than two and three, you know, then you're starting to, you know, there's some, you know, some of these rumblings you hear from time to time. You know, there's that that allows the people who are that allows the discontent to kind of surface a little bit. I would say, and if you go for, you know, frankly, three and two or better. You're going to head into the second, the last two games of the season, potentially with a chance to make the AAC championship game. I think with the way the the league is this year and how wide open it seems, that that's what we're looking at here. You go three and two these next five, you put yourself in a position going in the last two games of the season to make the AAC championship game. I really believe that. I think that's fine. And so you said three and two. So they're four and one now. So they'd be seven. I think you said seven. Seven and three. You're right. Yeah. Seven seven and three, three. which, which is really good, which is really good. You're talking about FCS game coming up. You'd guarantee yourself an eight win season. Exactly. So I think right there, you're looking at, you're still in the conference championship race well into middle of November, which is what you want. You want to be invested in something with that. So that would be a perfect scenario. We'll see how it goes. But I mean, like you said, everything you want as a Memphis fan is in play right now in terms of, being a conference, you know, being in the conference championship, feeling good about yourself going into these games that are going to be, you know, the toughest part of your schedule. And you're, you know, outside of the offensive line, you're relatively healthy right now. So we mm-hmm. shall see. But yeah, things could be a lot worse. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, four and one is nothing <laughs> to scoff at. It's it's again, they're right where they should be, where you wanted them to be. 
this is they're they're doing what they're supposed to do. They're just not doing it the way we're used to, if that makes sense. Um, so it'll be interesting. And then the other part, you know, this big game against Houston, Friday night game on national television. I, I am kind of curious. I'm I, I think the crowd is going to be better because it's a more recognizable opponent. It's a night. It's a marquee game. I know there's high school football and a Grizzlies preseason game, but. You know, I, uh, I, my hope is, and I, I, I think, you know, I'm, I guess this is more wishful thinking, but I think we're going to get more than 30,000 people in Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. But it has been interesting to see, you know, the past two home games um, against North Texas and Temple, you know, 23,000 people were there. It's the first time Memphis has had consecutive uh, games under 24,000 fans, consecutive home games since 2013. And, you know, you're wondering, you know, what does this mean? Um, you have an interesting story up at commercialappeal.com, Evan, about this attendance. What did you, what did Laird Veach and Ryan Silverfield, what did, what did you get from them when you asked them about these, these uh, consecutive games where the attendance was, you know, not quite what we're used to? Yeah, I, I was, it was interesting. I mean, Ryan Silverfield basically said that he was, you know, he didn't seem too worried. Like he sounded more appreciative of the fact that whoever showed up, you know, I'm grateful for them is kind of what he said. You know, I'm not looking at attendance here or there. I'm not worried about the size. I'm happy for who's here. Um, I thought that was really interesting from a sense of, you know, what the head coach would have to say about the attendance. You know, his, his well, he did. He also he also said, I think, you know, essentially it's my job to win games and graduate student athletes, yes. um, which, you know, a little too close to for comfort to what, you know, Tubby Smith said way back, you know, a few years ago, where basically it's like, you know, getting people in the stands is not part of my job. And, you know, the reality is that is part of the head coach's job is to be, you know, like to be mindful of it. I, I don't think Ryan didn't go full Tubby, though. He didn't go full <laughs> Tubby because, he you know, he said, like, you know, I appreciate the people who do come. He, he answered it better than Tubby, but I think there's probably a better answer than my job is to win games and graduate student athletes. Like also part of your job is to promote the program and therefore, you know, butts and seats is a reflection of how you're promoting the program in some ways. I mean, let's be honest. It's in his contract. That's part of your job as yeah. a coach is you are paid as a promotional person as much as a coach. So that's part of it. So I thought and he's was- doing a better job than Tubby promoting his program. <laughs> I'll give yeah, I'll say that. I make that clear. Well, um, if, yeah. if that's the if, if Mark, let's be honest, if that's the baseline, should people be worried? Because we know what happened with Tubby. Yeah, I don't think people should be worried at this point. I mean, he's been, frankly, I mean, Silverfield's already lasted longer as a head coach than Tubby did here, one. Um, and two, you know, uh, no, I don't think you should be worried yet. But I am going to be, like, I, if there's 23,000 people at Friday's game against Houston, like, yeah, that's going to be worrisome. And, you know, it's interesting, since your story came out, I've gotten some, like, I think there's a lot of different factors at play here with the attendance stuff. It's not just one thing that's causing this. Sure. One, as you pointed out in your story, it's a national trend. You know, I think there is some people who have been kind of soured on stuff, not because of what Memphis football has done, but because of what's happened in conference realignment in the past year or so, where Memphis got passed over again, you know? And then I think it's, you know, the type of team that has been coming in here, you know, ultimately, and this is what I think should be worrisome moving forward is, you know, North Texas and Temple don't really, you know, resonate with people here that much. And that's, you know, 
more that's good that's the league you're gonna be in for the foreseeable future games like that um and so um and then there's you know the fact it's been a weird schedule with four straight you know two home road games to start then four straight home games um you know there's a lot of different things i think at play here you know maybe it's you know the style of play too you know it's not quite you know, as exciting a product right now as it was three, four years ago, even though they're four and one. But I am hopeful with Memphis sitting at four and one that we will, I, I think we'll have a better crowd against Houston. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, I feel like people will come out for that game. Granted, you are competing with high school football in the Grizzlies. I think more people will come out. Now, I don't think 30,000 will come. I, for some reason, I just have a feeling that this is a trend where if you're expecting, 7,000 more people to show up on a Friday night. Um, we will see. I don't think that's, I think it's a huge jump to get to. Um, but I do think we'll see more people now. How much more will be interesting to see? Um, and I want to bring this up to somebody sent me an email today that I thought was really interesting. Uh, somebody said that COVID 19 policy discouraged attendance and broke habits. Um, I, I, I think that's part of it for sure. No, I will disagree with that because honestly, that hasn't kept people from going to Grizzlies games. That doesn't get people from going to Tigers basketball games. Like, let's well, it did before the Grizzlies became one of the best teams in the NBA, I think. I think yeah, the beginning but- of last year, you saw attendance wasn't great at Grizzlies games. And then when they got really good, people started coming. I, I firmly believe some people got out of the habit of going to games. I don't think it's like 7,000 people. That's why I say I think it's multiple factors. But I don't, I don't discount that. I, I, mean, some, I think that's part of it. Some pro- I'm sure some probably are used to watching at home. I'm sure. Let's, I'll, I'll credit that. But to basically try to blame that, I find it to be a bit – I don't want to say lazy, but I find it to be if you're putting all the weight on that, that that's a little bit – you know that's I find yeah. that a bit lazy because you did get 40,000 people here from Mississippi State. So Yeah, I, well, but that's because – you had Mississippi State fans in the crowd, to yeah, be quite but, honest. But still, yeah, but still, the crowd, the crowds weren't under thirty thousand for the first uh, first home game yeah. that year, if I recall. So I, I find it yeah. to be, it, it it's possible, but I will put that on the back burner behind those other things we talked about: the national trend, people staying at home, um, the you know the product on the field, you know the lack of maybe a a Memphis centric superstar on this team that you can rally around the fate no face of an offense outside of maybe Seth Hennigan right now. All, there are a lot of reasons why, but I think what I'll be curious about is what will the crowd look on Friday, and then maybe we'll see what happens when Memphis gets back in three weeks. And I think the Houston game will be an indicator of where they are, and then depending on how their record is, we'll see what happens when the crowd sees UCF for the last time. Which is yeah. the next home game after this? Yeah, it's a lot of different things, but uh, it'll be interesting to watch moving forward. They need they need fans in the stands. At the same time, you know, I, I don't, you know, who am I to tell someone how to spend their money? Exactly. Um, so it'll be very interesting uh, to see how this proceeds, starting with Friday's game against Houston. Last bit of news this week: we got some, uh, a fu- you know, we finalized the whole Memphis, Missouri uh, ordeal. Um, Memphis is not going to host Missouri next season. Uh, the game has officially been moved to St. Louis, September 23rd next season in St. Louis. Uh, we found out from Memphis that uh, Memphis is going to get a $750,000 guarantee and then could potentially make up to $250,000 more in ticket sale revenue for the game. So up to a million dollars Memphis uh, will make because ultimately Missouri did not want to play in Memphis, could have gotten out of it 
by paying Memphis only two hundred fifty thousand dollars. And so the next best thing, you know, I guess the way you could phrase it is Memphis uh, made the most out of a bad situation or what it viewed as the most of a bad situation by negotiating a deal where Memphis plays Missouri in St. Louis and Memphis goes from getting potentially only $250,000 and having to search for another game at the last minute to making up to a million dollars and playing Missouri and St. Louis. Um, Seemed like, again, a bad situation. You know, you weren't going to get the ideal solution, which was a great home game at at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium because Missouri didn't want to play it. And, you know, I think this is, you know, as bad, seems like it's as good as they could do given a bad situation. Yeah, I think so. I mean, you look at it this way. You you could basically try to play hardball and say, well, we want the game here. You pocket $250,000 and lose a game and scramble. Or you take the game in St. Louis, take 750000 at least up front, and then you can hopefully get that up to a million. Uh, I, I think that's a – I mean, granted. Well, you look at it, you get the 250, but you're going to have to probably go pay someone to come play you at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium, and it probably costs more than $250,000 to get a team to come to Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. And then, oh, by the way, what kind of team is that that needs to fill a game that quickly or at the last minute? And we just spent a bunch of minutes talking about how people aren't coming to Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium right, as much right, for these right. games against teams there, you know, the non-sexy opponents. So I, I think this was probably the right move. It just yeah. seems like it. Yeah, it, it might feel. We don't know the alternatives but, exactly, but it just feels my gut tells me this. They're right that this was the best alternative to, to the situation. Yeah, that's pretty much what I feel, too. So, hey, at least we're all going to go to St. Louis next year, but we'll see. We'll, we will see. But at least. You got an SEC team on your schedule, so you can take that. That'll be another weird schedule, though, if you look at it. They open at home, but then they play at Arkansas State. Then September 16th is when the Southern Heritage – I think it's like – there's no game schedule for that day yet, but that's probably the Southern Heritage Classic Day, or I guess maybe the Arkansas State game Arkansas State will be that, yeah. Potentially, but maybe, you you know, the schedule will be all right. You got Boise State at home, um, and then this St. Louis game. So we shall – we shall see. Um, all right, let's talk about this big game, though, coming up on Friday. Evan, I believe you spoke with uh, Joseph Duarte, the longtime University of Houston beat writer for the Houston Chronicle. Uh, let's hear what Joe has to say about this uh, big game between Memphis and Houston this Friday. Joe, how you doing today, my man? Good, Evan. How you doing? Good to see you. Hey, always good seeing you, man. Every year I look forward to this game because get to hang out with you, talk to you for a little bit, and You've been as as kind to me as anyone who's been on the AAC beat. So thank you for that. So well, we won't won't be seeing you much longer. <laughs> Sadly, no. This will be the last go around unless we get some uh, scheduling news down the road. So let's let's kind of jump into that a little bit. This this Memphis Houston rivalry has been so much fun over the years. Um, it, it feels like the Memphis players definitely take this as a rivalry and they've taken it as such for years. Do, do you get the same vibe over at Houston that the players over there kind of feel like this is a game that always is, is kind of one you kind of get up for a little bit? You know, I, I actually think there's more of a rivalry with the basketball programs with Penny Hardaway and, and Kelvin Sampson and, and just how that, that series has gone recently. But on the football end, you know, in terms of the teams that have been at the top of the American uh, for many years. It's, it's been those two, you know, Central Florida, Cincinnati. But when these two teams, Houston and Memphis, play each other, 
there's been some wild ones. There's been games that have come down to field goals. You know, there's been some blowouts, but there's also been some some games that have been, you know, seven points here, you know, six points there. Uh, you know, this uh, Houston fans will remember this was uh, a couple of years ago, I guess in 2016, it was the site of the infamous Tom Herman's not going anywhere uh, interview that he did before that Memphis game. And then uh, about 24 hours later, he was being introduced as the University of Texas head coach. So you can throw that into this rivalry, but yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting, but you know, it, it is a rivalry and it's just yet another casualty uh, of the conference realignment uh, circus and, and carousel that we see going on. Definitely. And I've talked to some old Memphis players who feel the same way. They're sad that this is ending because the rivalry was something that they look forward to every year. You mentioned basketball. Those games have been so great. This year's games are going to be great, obviously. It's really unfortunate that that's happened because, you know, you look at this rivalry, it's it's been fun. Like a lot of these games, even since I got on the beat, you think about that 2018 game, it was tied going into the fourth quarter. And then Memphis went power heavy and ran that game out. And then 2020, Houston rallies. And then Memphis kicks a game-winning field goal. Last year's game, Houston won. So there's a lot of things about this this series that have been really fun. And it feels sad that that's not going to be anymore. You you agree with that? No, I I do. And, you know, you could say uh, on Houston's end, since they joined the American, I would say Memphis and SMU have been their, their two biggest games, obviously, SMU being an in-state school that's had a long history with Houston going back to the Southwest Conference, but Memphis really filled that 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 need in, in a conference that didn't have make a lot of geographic sense at times. You know, there aren't a lot of people that get up for Tulsa here. You know, they certainly after playing Tulane last week the way they did probably don't get up for that one anymore. Uh, and then you got East Carolina, Temple, UConn in the past. So this one really made sense. You know, it's two you know Southwest South southern type schools that that aren't too far apart and you know like you mentioned there's been some really entertaining and competitive games uh you know Memphis sort of pulled away here in the last few years with their championship game appearances and you know Houston hasn't been back since 2015 but uh just from a competitive standpoint this this has been a a really good series Uh, a lot of people will, will miss it and you know if you're Memphis you know, Houston's now in a power five or going to it. If you're Memphis, you got to be looking at that next, you know, where do we go uh, from here moment. And, you know, I, I hope that there, there's uh, there's a place for them somewhere because I think Memphis will bring value to uh, to whatever conference they end up in the future. Definitely, definitely. And I think Memphis fans will appreciate those those kind words, but also the words of someone who's been around this conference, who's been around Houston long enough, who knows what Memphis has meant to the AAC. And hopefully that will help Memphis get somewhere as we keep talking about conference realignment. But we got a game on Friday here. And uh, let's let's just say this game is a little bit different than we expected before the season. Um, Houston was expected to be the preseason favorite to win the AAC, but they've, they've been struggling a little bit. We saw the Tulane game obviously didn't go the way uh, Houston wanted. Um, what's what's been going on with this Houston team being two and three entering a Friday night? Well, I don't know if you did this on purpose, but maybe the segue to the, this part of, of what we're going to talk about. You're wearing the Stranger Things shirt, and it's sort of been a lot of strange things going on for the Cougars this year. Uh, two and three, no one saw this coming. A lot of people thought they would, you know, five and oh, four and one at this point. They were kind of the the sexy pick to to uh, play in a New Year's Six Bowl. They were the preseason favorites in the conference. Uh, everybody thought, okay, this was going to be the big farewell in the American, and they were going to 
you know, run roughshod over everybody and, and, and sort of make this their, you know, we're going to the Big 12 on a high note moment. And, you know, it's, it hasn't been anywhere close to that. This team's played three overtimes in five games. Uh, they've blown fourth quarter leads in the final minute in three of those and, and, and nearly a fourth. So, uh, you know, it's been everything from defensive uh, breakdowns to uh, penalties that Dana Holgerson has called stupid, stupid stuff. You know, there's been the undisciplined mistakes. Uh, there's been an offense that just, just doesn't seem like they can get going for an extended period, very unimaginative at times. Uh, you know, I mean, you could go down the list. You know, they've had some special team issues. Um, you know, Houston very well could be 0-5 right now. And, and they they are searching for answers. They've been hurt, uh, but this is a uh, this is a team that is, has reached that fork in the road. And you know this week could is is a tough test on the road. And you know if they go into their open week uh, two and four, uh, we're not quite there yet. On is Dana Holgerson's job in serious jeopardy? But but there's been talk that there's going to need to be some improvement. Uh, especially considering they're going into the Big 12 next year. Yeah, I mean, I think we all remember that infamous quote from, I believe, I'm not sure if it was the president, who said, <laughs> eight wins doesn't cut it to Houston, right? There was yeah, she said, we fire coaches that go eight and four. Well, the next time and- Houston, yeah, next Houston loss will be four losses. So it's it's very interesting to see. Like, And I, I watched that Tulane game, and what, what struck me was, it seemed as if this the defense was was so good last year. Um, it seems like they've taken a step back. I'm looking at some of the numbers. Is that something you've seen where the defense is is still good, but not maybe as as strong as last year's unit? You know, Tulane was was on their third string quarterback two series into the game, and uh, Houston made him look like he was you know at times in the Heisman race. Uh, the way that 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 he sort of was efficient and and, and did things to them, but uh, you know. I mean, you can make the argument that uh, this, this defense is certainly not the same as last year. They had four starters from last year's team playing in the NFL right now. Uh, so, uh, you know, th- that, that's some losses. But at the same time, they felt like the guys that they had coming back, they had enough in reserve that there wouldn't be a huge drop-off. And, and, you know, that hasn't been the case. This team has had a lot of issues and problems on, on multiple fronts. One of the big ones, uh, they lost their, their sack leader uh, to a torn bicep, Derek Parrish, uh, two weeks ago. And you know, this was a guy who had, uh, I believe it was five sacks and six and a half tackles for loss against Texas Tech in one game. So, I mean, that was a huge loss for them. But, you know, just across the board, they, they've sort of been exposed in terms of what the depth is at, at a lot of positions. And, and just not being able to to play consistently. And, you know, anybody you talk to here uh, inside the program will tell you it's, it's been a disappointment that, that they have not played up to uh, the level that they thought they were going to be able to this year. Definitely. And so our last thing here, um, the one positive, though, for Houston is obviously um, Tank Dell, the receiver. He's obviously played at a very high level. Clayton Toon is back for his final year. Um, how, have they, how have they looked in your mind, and, and, and how would you evaluate Dell? Because we talked to the Memphis coaches who, who believe he is as explosive as, as they come. Yeah, he's um, – excuse me, Evan. He's, he's a guy that, uh, you know, they were able to move him inside to the slot this year. Last year he played a lot on the outside. But, I mean, there's, he's a matchup problem every time he's on the field and 
you know, a, a lot of teams have, have had to game plan around them. Now, the difference is, you know, last year they really had to, to rely solely on on Tank Dell. This year they have a few guys uh, that are around him. Now they lost one of them to a hand injury, Joseph Manjack, the fourth. But they have some guys that they feel that they can get involved in the office. But it's very, very much still Tank Dell heavy. Um, you know, the, the guy has sort of been the, the poster child for, for the, the penalties. He's had two punt returns brought back this year so he's explosive not only uh at receiver but in the return game and then on the other side of your question Clayton Tune, you know this is a guy who's a, a fifth-year guy and really made a lot of progress last year uh even through an injury and, and many thought that that's what helped him become a better quarterback because he wasn't forced to run as much he could kind of stay back in the pocket and, and see things develop this year uh the offensive line is is nowhere near what it was last year uh pass protection has been an issue you know they've had miscommunications wrong routes being run people not picking up blitzes so it's it's been a different situation for Clayton Toon and he's had to to move around a lot more and he just hasn't looked you know he hasn't looked as comfortable as he did last year and maybe that some of that has to do uh with with the situations and the play calling but uh, a lot of people thought this would be the big year that Clayton Toon would would also uh, take that next step and, and maybe work his way into like a second day NFL draft type situation. It's still a lot of football to play, but you know, his numbers and what people thought compared to last year, he's also been impacted by the way things have gone early on. Interesting. Interesting. Well, it's going to be an interesting night at uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium on Friday. Um, Houston's obviously still going to bring some people out. It's the, it's the last game in this rivalry in the AAC, but they're coming in a team that's different than what many expected, myself included, but we'll see how Memphis handles that. So, Joseph, my man, always appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. Look forward to seeing you at the game and uh, safe travels. Thanks for having me on, and we'll uh, we'll have to grab some barbecue in the press box. It'll be my last my last time uh, grabbing some of the the Memphis uh, barbecue. De- definitely, definitely. Thanks so much, Joe. Thanks, Evan. Our thanks to Joseph Duarte from the Houston Chronicle for joining us, giving a breakdown of the Cougars. Uh, haven't really held up their end of the bargain for this marquee national national TV matchup. If you had asked, if you had asked me before the season, you know we're going to come into the Houston game. One team's going to be four and one, and one team's going to be two and three. I don't know if I would have said Memphis was going to be the four and one team, um, but here we are. Memphis has held up its end of the bargain. Evan, what did you think about what Joe had to say about Houston? What do you make of this matchup? I think Houston's coming in very very. I don't want to say in shambles, but they're coming in in a very weird state. I mean, they've lost three overtime games, as Joe said. Um, they have they lost to Tulane with their third string quarterback. Tulane had their third string quarterback and lost. Uh, that was surprising. But they look like a team that's not living up, not just not living up to their hype. They've lost some players to the draft. They are in the NFL. They got some players who are dinged up. I, it's strange. We've seen Dana Holgerson, the coach for Houston, lose his cool a bunch of times. Uh, it's really strange that, you know, Houston's like this, but also it reminds me a little bit of the Houston team that we were seeing in 2019 when they mysteriously told De'Eric King to redshirt and then lo- watched yeah. him go to the transfer portal. So it's, it's a very strange Houston team where I think Memphis fans, if you're feeling overconfident, I can't blame you. Yeah, well, there's two ways to look at it. it like, one, Houston is maybe you could look at it due for a good performance because they've underachieved. At the same time, 
you know, you've already had Holgerson calling out his players saying like, you know, like a couple weeks ago, he, they got booed last week. Like there's definitely some vibes of, you know, is this team going to quit on Holgerson? You know, like, yeah, you know, could this thing truly crater? Like that definitely feels like a possibility with Houston. That being said, it does feel like nonetheless, as disappointing as they've been, probably the toughest opponent Memphis has faced since Mississippi State. Um, so the Tigers are a favorite. Um, I believe it opened at like four and a half, and now it's down to, um, I want to say, yeah, it's down to, it's been bet down to three. Tigers are a three point favorite as of this recording. Interesting. Um, yeah, we're recording this on Tuesday afternoon. So um, I, I think it's going to be a close game. Um, and it's a game, though, if Memphis can win it, I mean, really, I think people will have to just will finally have to take notice. And, and you know, because I think there's some, you know, going back to the attendance, I do think with some people there's still a, you know, because it hasn't looked pretty at times the past few games, a, a little bit of, well, they still got to prove that they're a good team. And I think that's fair, uh, Memphis. But if they can go out and beat Houston and they're five and one, um, you know, I, I think it, it'd be a, it'd be a shame if you're not getting excited. Um, and this feels like a, a, a big moment for the program to go out in front of a national TV audience. They're going to be one of the few games going on Friday night nationally, uh, a chance to really kind of put their, you know, sort of put their best foot forward and say like, hey, we are AAC title contenders this year. Um, we should we're we should be included in that mix. We're you know we're good enough, and I and and this is a big chance for them to do that. Uh, it's gonna I mean it's gonna take the offense not looking like a train wreck like it did at times in the past couple games. Um, like they're gonna have to put up. I don't think you can count on the defense to hold Houston to three points like you did against Temple. I don't think that formula is gonna work necessarily um, in this one. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, Friday night at Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. Any final thoughts, Evan? I'm really sad that this series is ending. I feel like it. It series. Uh, when I think about this series, and I have a story coming up commercialpeel.com about the rivalry. I think about the great matchups. I think about the, the close finishes. I hate that this series is ending. I don't know about you, Mark, but I. You know, your first game on the beat, I believe, was that great comeback in '17. One of my favorite games was, you know, early games on the beat was that. 2018 game where Memphis went power football in the fourth quarter to pull away. Like it, it's sad that this, this game is ending, but um, I hope that means fans come out and, and see this one more time. Yep. Yep. No, it's a, it, listen, I, I'm just upset. You know, Houston is always a, you know, they're a like-minded institution in terms of athletics to Memphis. And, and, and that's the real shame about the AAC uh, changes going on in the AAC is, you know, the three schools that were most like Memphis in terms of, you know, aspirationally, UCF, Houston, Cincinnati, they're all leaving Memphis and Memphis is getting left behind, unfortunately. Um, that's it, it is sad. Um, and so uh, but hopefully Memphis sends Houston out with a loss on Friday night. That'd be fun. Talking about a five and one team next week. Um, we'll be out there Friday night chronicling all the action. Make sure you're checking out commercialappeal.com. Evan mentioned it's got a big story uh, ahead of the game 
Um, look forward to that. And we'll, you know, like I said, we'll be out there providing coverage. Um, till next week, till next time, I was Mark. That was Evan. Uh, we'll see you at uh, Simmons Bank Liberty Stadium. The Tiger Football Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. 